Okay, so welcome to the Cine Twins podcast. Um, I'm Oliver, and this is my friend Arjun. And last week we said we were going to talk about Space Force, but it's not that great, so we decided to talk about James Bond instead this week. Yeah, so thanks, Would you Oliver. Like to start? Thanks, Oliver. Uh, what I want to discuss today is my two favorite Bond films of all time. Um, I would actually say Skyfall and Casino Royale, two of Daniel Craig's newest films. And I feel he's the most Bond for me since he's the most interesting Bond in my opinion. And he has the most nuances with it. I feel like from a storytelling perspective, Skyfall is the weaker of the two films. Even though Casino Royale does drag in the beginning half of the third act. I feel that Skyfall has a weaker story overall. But I feel that Skyfall excels in the action sequences. And it looks really beautiful. As compared to Casino Royale, I think Skyfall is a better looking film. Oliver, what yeah. are your thoughts on Skyfall? Well, I've always felt that Skyfall's plot wasn't that bad, at least like from an actual writing standpoint. But it's just riddled with like plot holes. Yeah, Basically, that's true. Basically, Silva's, Silva's entire plan is essentially based on like a couple of different things happening that I'm not going to say. But like Silva's plan and his escape only works if like specific moments trigger in the MI6 facility at specific times. So, like, if you really think about it while watching it, it really doesn't make much sense. Yeah, there's so much luck involved, which is kind of strange. And I don't like that Mm -hmm. at all. While in Casino Royale, yes, the beginning of the third act does drag a lot, but the car scene is very interesting. The torture scene is pretty brutal, actually, for a Mm PG-13 film. The first opening sequence with the chase is some of the best parkour and the best stunt work I've seen in a James Bond film and arguably ever. It is so beautiful. Yeah. Any action film. Any action so film. Yeah, to yeah. be honest. That Madagascar scene is choreographed so well with such good action. And it really shows how rugged Bond was. And this is like one of the best origin stories in any movie because it really explores who he was and how it shaped him. And I feel yeah, like that's, ex- the, that that's exactly why I'm... Um, what? No. That's exactly why Casino Royale is like a great Bond film because it's kind of like a reconstruction of the whole character and it really makes him human and I, it, and I like that. Yeah, and it really shows how he went from being like kind of almost optimistic to kind of a cynical character after, the de- after a major event, which we will not spoil. We are a spoiler-free podcast, but mm-hmm. after a major event that changed the whole dynamic of the Bond franchise. Another yeah. thing that Daniel Craig's Bond has, that, which I like enjoy a lot, is kind of the continuum. Is each film, even though they don't all work for Quantum, Quantum of Solace is pretty good. I guess it's okay, but Skyfall is very bad, is very poor in quality, I think. But I like that they all are connected together in a kind of continuum, while mm-hmm. some of the other ones feel a little bit disjointed. Yeah, Over, I mean, favorite Bond film? it is a linear story, but yeah. Um, my favorite Bond films are um, Live and Let Die from Russia with Love and surprisingly um, The World is Not Enough, which is really like not as appreciated as I feel like as it should be. It should be, be but, yeah. Yeah. So, but you, live and, but you yeah, live Russia with Love. I mean, wow. That is a major step up from Dr. No, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. What yeah. About, yeah, just tell me your thoughts on Russia from Russia with Love and why it's one of your favorites. I mean, it's it's so iconic. There's so many great scenes in From Russia with Love, and it really just takes the awesome action from from the previous ins- installment, which is Doctor No, and it just makes everything better. It improves on everything that Doctor No set upon. 
And yeah. Um, it also, yeah, it also features one of my favorite villains, which is Red Grant. He's very, he's, he's kind of like a force of nature, like nothing can really stop him. And Red Grant really inspired a lot of future James Bond villains, such as Mr. Hinks from Spectre and um, Jaws, I guess, from Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker. Totally right about Red Grant, one of the most iconic villains, in my opinion, a little bit underappreciated. From Russia with Love, Very. I think it was a big step up, step up from Dr. No. It features better action, a better storytelling. It's actually more grounded than Dr. No. With Dr. No, it's yeah. kind of like this sci-fi, evil megalomaniac who, I mean, he's cool and all, but I don't care for him as much. But Red Grant, and it's a little bit more grounded. The storytelling is very interesting. It's about a decoding device. It uses its Cold War setting to an advantage and to build more atmosphere and overall tension in the film, which is really smart. I, however, am a fan of this one over Goldfinger because I find Goldfinger to be a little bit overrated in my opinion. I don't know. There's something about it that just doesn't stick with me. I guess maybe it's the final battle or kind of the, the strange names in the, in the yeah. maniac plot. Just, it didn't stick with me like Russia with Love, from Russia with Love did. Yeah, and from Russia with Love holds up really well today too. Like, it's still exciting. The plot is still intriguing it doesn't really slow it doesn't really drag at any point it really doesn't yeah yeah so why don't we talk about um live and let die so yeah um my other favorite roger like my most favorite roger moore film is um his first one which is live and let die which i actually like a lot more than spy who loved me because you know live and let die has a very unique and mystical atmosphere it's kind of it's kind of like indiana jones not exactly but it's like James Bond against like some voodoo magic. I think it's the most unique premise in like the entire franchise. Um, yeah, we also have a great Bond girl in um, Solitaire who's mysterious and very, very like unreadable. And she really fits the entire theme of mysticism inside the entire movie. Yeah, the um, ideas of mysticism coupled with the great scenery, iconic villain, is very interesting. I find that this one, you're right, is the most unique Bond film that there is, that there has ever been, because its plot is very different. It's most of, a lot of the James Bond movies are about megalomaniacs who want nuclear weapons, but instead it's about the drug trade, which is being, which was beginning to grow in the 1970s. So I feel it was very relevant to the time, which is interesting, since most of the Roger Moore movies kind of have irrelevant plots. Like um, in The Spy Who Loved Me, for example, it is about an underwater base and he wants to build like a society underwater, which is cool and all, but it makes no sense. While this one takes real life events and things that are happening now contemporarily in the seventies and explores them in a much deeper way, which I did enjoy thoroughly. Oh, so there's the theme song, which is just it's iconic. Yeah. And there's, you know, the crocodile thing. Where he runs that, over the crocodile. Yeah. And then you have Sheriff, what's his name? Um, J.W. Pepper, I think. Yeah, J.W. Pepper. Hilarious, great comic relief. And this one, he I makes a, yeah, he makes another appearance in um the next one, but like it's not that great. Yeah, like really in this is. one, he really shines because he's in his own environment and he's not on like vacation. Yeah, and the man from Golden Gun, I can't even talk about it. It's really bad. Yeah, it's but, pretty bad. Um, I think we're gonna talk about, in my opinion, the most underappreciated of all the Bond films, 
yeah twine, twine. the world is not enough or the world is not enough yeah like to be honest it's just really fun like it's it's fun it's a movie you can just sit down and watch anytime and be like this is cool from like the opening scene where bond jumps on that boat and he starts to like chase after one of the henchwomen and from to the very end with that weird submarine um battle it, it's just fun the it's a, it's entire a very thing. fun bond film yeah and it's entertaining i mean there's there are problems with it like denise richards as, um, it's a big problem but yeah be overlooked by the big twist that comes in the about the middle of the second act which i yeah. really found stuck and it's actually kind of crazy it's kind of creepy almost the mm -hmm. what happens in the act and second act the other what i feel about this one is there are a lot of problems but there are a lot of like benefits as well strengths yeah. better than tomorrow never dies i think it is mm -hmm. much much better than die another die day another it is an abomination of film i do not we'll know there, I spent yeah. over 150 million dollars on that movie this mm -hmm. one is very interesting the plot is a little bit different in my opinion i kind of like this oil kind of almost espionage kind of um plot monica it's, it's a dark film too yeah, it's, like it's it's disturbing at points like yeah if you actually take in what's going on you're like wow i didn't expect that yeah and at all. compared to the campiness of die another day this is like i think this one has great bones even though the execution might be not as strong i still think it's one of the best bond movies out there especially That's especially so, with yeah. the explosive ch boat chase in the beginning of the film which i really did enjoy a lot Okay, yeah. on the flip yeah. side, we're going to some darker places with the worst Bond films. These are the ones that are abominations to cinema. They're terrible, and I am not a fan of these at all. Okay, so Oliver, why don't you start us off with the worst Bond film, in our opinion? Yeah, it's, it's time to talk about the film, Die Another Day. Brosnan's worst, probably the entire franchise's worst. Probably the entire decade's worst movie. Okay, it's too much. But still, it's pretty bad. Like, we got really terrible CGI, a really bizarre plot that involves dream stuff. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's terrible, yeah. I mean, it actually gets pretty, like, interesting if you watch it and you're like, this is pretty bad. But, like, it's so bad that it's sometimes unintentionally funny. And that's really what makes... Okay. Die Another Day, a terrible movie. Yeah, the, the plot is awful as well, though. I mean, I, I, do, I still do not understand the idea of having a North Korean man who gets plastic surgery to look like a British guy, and his accent becomes British as well, which is very strange. I don't know how that works. The, the entrance into North Korea by surfing, what was that? There are so many missteps in this movie. Halle Berry... Um, Jinx is not terrible. Rosamund Pike is not terrible. But that cat fight at the end is awful. Yeah. The action is pretty poor. And a sun shield. Like, I don't even... It's like a sun laser, right? It makes no sense to me how they, appro how they approve that film. Metro mm -hmm. Golden Lion approved that film because it is awful. Should never have even gotten greenlit. Yeah. It's they should have ended terrible. with wine. I'm sorry. Yeah, that would've been awesome. Perfect trilogy. Like Perfect. Tomorrow Never Dies is actually pretty like good. It's not as good as GoldenEye or Twine, but it's, but it's still, still not pretty bad. Good. It's yeah, actually it's, a strong it's average. Yeah. 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 Okay. Also kind of overlooked. 
Yeah, I I can't even talk about dying another day without no. getting a little bit angry because mm-hmm. it is terrible. It is awful. Yeah. And for our second least favorite film, I'm going to talk about A View to a Kill. Whoa. Okay. The only thing that's actually remotely good in this one is Christopher Walken. He is pretty mm-hmm. good in this movie. Besides that, it's a terrible film. Silicon Valley chips, people getting thrown out of airplanes. Isn't it Nazi engineering? It doesn't yeah, make I, sense. I, I, Roger Moore is close to 60 as Bond. He's still charismatic and all, but it's just so poor. The execution is poor. The plot is unimaginably, unimaginably bad. And I, I just don't understand. I mean, this was not the perfect cap of his career. I mean, Octopussy, which is not terrible, is not very good, though. So I thought they, were, they should have stuck the landing. Instead, they missed the mark so much that I can't even talk about this movie because it's so bad. Your thoughts it was, on it? Yeah. It was so bad they had to reboot the entire series and make, like, everything more gritty. But maybe that was a good thing because we got The Living Daylights, which is actually one of my favorite Bond films. I also like License to Kill as well. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess it wasn't Blessing in Disguise. We got some gritty Bond films that influenced mm-hmm. Daniel Craig. But Even some of Brosnan's films were actually influenced. But yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I can't really describe how bad it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's the snowboarding with the terrible-looking ice to the, the blimp. The Beach Boys. The Beach Boys, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It's crazy. It is so it is unimaginably terrible. Um, yeah. Okay, now we're going to talk about Moonraker. Okay, I'll put mm-hmm. Moonraker this way. It's a fun film, sure. It has kind of cool action. And it Jaws gets a redemption storyline. But the problem is, the only reason I think this film was ever conceived was because they had some Star Wars fever. I mean, yeah. uh, what yeah. I think is Star Wars came out two years before. They greenlit this film, and then they took concepts of Star Wars and Star Trek and decided to make a film using space battles. It does have one of the best closing lines from Desmond Llewellyn. I believe yeah, it was. The one, the one with the liftoff or thrust? I, I can't remember. I can't remember either, but it's hilarious. It's funny, and, though. It's, and it's really like funny. the best part of the movie. Besides that, the action is pretty lame. The storytelling is not great. I yeah. don't know. I, I guess mean, it's, this one is pretty bad. It's a fun film, sure. The CGI has not aged well at all either. Compared to Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, which came out two years and a year, two years before and one year after, respectively, they look far better than this film. Oliver, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, Moonraker doesn't really have a plot. It, it actually ripped off the plot of The Spy Who Loves Me and just added lasers, and like a different motivation. I actually kind of do like, um, was it Michael Lonsdale as Hugo Drax? Like, he's actually a pretty cool villain. He's yeah. quite menacing. Yeah, mm-hmm. he looks really cool in a beard. That's it. He looks really cool. But he doesn't do much in the movie. Yeah. That's I mean, yeah. if you want to talk about, um, I mean, what Free Your Eyes Only did, I mean, it, still, it kind of took the plot of From Russia With Love, but made it a little bit more interesting in my opinion. Well, this mm-hmm. one just added space lasers and a maniacal villain that I could not get around to. And isn't it also the same kind of plot as um, um, Spy Who Loved Me as well? Yeah. From like, yeah. instead of being in the ocean, people, they want it's to- It's just in space. It's in space. So, I mean, they have just rehashed 
I actually do like a, um, the Spy Spy, You yeah. Love Me. They're Spice just hashing one of Moore's highlights into making this very strange film that I cannot get behind at all. It, it's, it's really watered down, too. Like, yeah. everything that made The Spy Who Loves Me good, like a great Bond girl. Yeah. Like, really cool set pieces. Actually, no, Moonraker did have that. But, like, more grounded inside like the film like Moonraker just took all of the things that made this why he loved me and then made it bad yeah or made it not as good yeah I mean I just checked the budget for inflation they spent over 120 million dollars in today's dollars on that movie and it still looks atrociously bad Mm -hmm. now we're gonna go on to the one sore spot in my opinion in the filmography of Mr. Sean Connery, Diamonds Are Forever. Let's get your thoughts, Oliver. Um, yeah, Diamonds Are Forever is easily Connery's worst Bond film. Even if I don't like Goldfinger that much as other people do, like I can't deny that it's not a like it's actually an okay movie. Yeah, it's influential and it's not bad either. But Diamonds Are Forever is like a pretty terrible movie. Bond goes to Vegas. Yeah, he goes to Las Vegas, right? And he makes this like... I do like the Las Vegas backdrop, but besides that, I cannot get behind it. Well, what I think is, it's not good. It's just not good. The problem Mm -hmm. is the storytelling is weak. I mean, the plot is pretty weird too, I guess. I mean... There's this like weird twist that makes absolutely no no sense, sense. but they just went ahead with it because they needed like Bond to... They needed conflict, so they just put this twist in. Yeah. I, I, what I don't understand is that um, the only problem with Diamonds Are Forever, in my opinion, is that they got rid of all the things that made Bond cool, in my opinion. Yeah. They got him a different car. They put him <laughs> in a different location, which actually did work for me. But I felt that it, there wasn't that kind of Bond. It didn't evoke kind of that kind of bond feeling I like in this movie. Yeah. I think that was yeah. one of its biggest flaws that unlike some of the other bond films, it didn't have a great feeling to me. It left like a bitter taste and kind of that whole, what is it? Space mission fight scene, I guess you could call it. That's also really weird. I don't understand it at all, but there's just something. It feels, it feels tired. Yeah. yeah. It feels really tired. Like, Connery was done. He is pretty much done with the role at that point. I mean, he was. They just got him back. Also, there's one thing that Diamond Star Forever like does really wrong. It doesn't tie it to On Her Majesty's Secret Service in any way. Like at least in Quantum of Solace, there's like some stuff with Vesper and how like she died and it's sad. But um, yeah. At least I, like they kind of yeah. And also, it look there, there's a big quality dip from. Honor Majesty Secret Service is a really good film. Two, Diamonds Are Forever, which is a really bad film, which I did not like at all. I think they should have kept George Lazenby. I mean, I did not like You Only Live Twice. I mean, it's not a bad movie. It's just, I mean, it hasn't aged well. I'll just put it that yeah. way. From some of the scenes in there have not mm-hmm. aged well, but I feel that this one was just a big step down and I'm not, I was not happy with it. So I think we want to just wrap it up and just like maybe give our thoughts on the James Bond franchise and mm-hmm. just um, give us some thoughts about James Bond in general, Oliver. Yeah. Well, we... I think 
I think the reason why the franchise is so endearing is that it kind of learns from its mistakes. Like we have um, Roger Moore's tumultuous run with his <laughs> like his okay, like his pretty great movies and his extremely campy ones. Like they, the Eon learned from it. Like he took, they took the silliness of Roger Moore. They kind of flipped it over its head and they like gave Timothy Dalton a really gritty and more grounded run, which actually saved the franchise. In my opinion, it did as well. I yeah. mean, License to Kill, I would not say it's a great Bond film, but it's actually but it's a, a really film. good film. Yeah. It's, it's super dark, though. I mean, it's the most violent of them by far. Some, a guy's head explodes. There's some graphic violence at the end. It almost got an R rating. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't find it to be a great Bond film. I just found it to be a, re- a good film. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, it keeps reincarnating itself, but... I mean, it, it keeps following kind of the same pattern of going from gritty to campy, gritty to campy. However, what seems to be in my mind is that even though Daniel Craig's last outing, Spectre, was not very good, I feel that they have gone, they realize that campiness is not what audiences want anymore. They want, gra- they want real gritty, grounded movies that we can all enjoy. I think that people have, yeah. I think this kind of change began with the Born Identity, which I love. Yeah. Post-born era, post-born especially, era. especially in um, Casino Royale, First where they God. started making, yeah, it became an action film. It didn't really become like a Bond film, because Bond films are like their own genre. Of course. They're, like, they kind of combine the elements of like comedy, actual really great action. Slap, it's like slapstick comedy, great action, yeah. beautiful women. Some drama. Yeah, a lot some of drama, drama and great locales. I mean, yeah. that's a Bond formula. What Just, Daniel Craig, yeah. he kind of inverted what actually, what actually um, fans wanted with some like really gritty violence, a grounded story, a conf- like a yeah, Bond is flawed, but in these he's a lot more conflicted and he's a lot darker. The story goes to darker places, which is very interesting. And we see Bond also at his most vulnerable, Inspector, Skyfall, and practically all those movies. We've seen him get tortured and like be pushed to the limit, unlike in some other Bond films where we, we see Bond as like this, just like this suave hero who never gets beaten up and stuff. So I think it's really evolved over time. And I do like that a lot. I mean, from Sean Connery, very iconic, to um, Lazenby, who had a great, it's one great film. And then Roger Moore went from like grounded and kind of outlandish plots to extremely campy very dull films and then we went to timothy dalton extremely grounded overly violent i would say they used violence a little bit too much in my opinion to pierce brosnan who started out great but then once cgi was yeah it got a little bit slowly declined and then we're finally at daniel craig who's had i'd say a mixed bag too great and too bad too great and then like one okay film and then one really bad film and I feel like it's just going to be changing. It's iconic. It's never going to be. You're 24 movies in. Unlike Mission Impossible, which somehow each film gets better and better, Bond will always be inconsistent. But that's what also yeah. makes it endearing, in my mm-hmm. opinion. What about you, Oliver? What are your yeah. feelings about the unevenness of Bond? I think that's its greatest strengths because if you just keep getting better and better, you're eventually going to peak and there's nothing to learn from. 
But yes. since the Bond franchise, like they've made a lot of mistakes from 62 all the way up to now, which is 2020. Yeah. But they learn from their mistakes and they'll keep doing it and we'll essentially have a franchise that will never die. Yeah. I mean, they're always on the cutting edge. They're always different. Yeah. They tried some really bad things like horse racing and if you do a kill, but it's different, you know, it's, it's on the cutting edge. I feel bond is kind of, it goes into new territory every time from now. It went from, it's very experimental. And that's what I like about it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why people consistently watch them no matter what. Besides Die Another yeah. Day within A View to Kill, which both films are unwatchable. All the other That's like a one-time films, thing. All the other bad films can still be watched and can still be enjoyed for what they are. And I think that's yeah. what makes Bond great. And I think that's what makes this franchise exceptional. Mm-hmm. I think, should we just end there? That's like a good place to end. Yeah, that was really... That was really... Yeah. Overall, we love Bond. We think he's an ever-changing character. And thank you. Yeah. We'll be back next Especially, week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.